Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Code. I'm your host, Ashley Coffee. Coffee and Code is your weekly rundown for the latest top tech news from around the world delivered every Wednesday. On my show, you'll find a mix of the latest tech news from around the world, including emerging tech, privacy, cybersecurity, and more, including interviews with experts, innovators, and everyday tech tips to level up your life. Subscribe to Coffee and Code to be notified when episodes go live. You can also find me on Twitter at AshleyCoffee underscore and on Instagram at AshleyRCoffee89. Thanks for listening and welcome to Coffee and Code. Hello and welcome to your weekly episode of Coffee and Code. This week's episode is a special one because we have a guest today, Mr. Jordan Williams from Arbor XR. Jordan and I actually met each other, I think, two years ago when I was working at um, the University of Oklahoma as an emerging technologies librarian. And at the time, Jordan was working on some um, adventures with with a company that he was with at the time that he'll be talking about today. Um, so we have a common shared interest in all things emerging tech and, and VR specifically. Um, but I'm excited to have Jordan on the show today. He's going to talk a little bit about what is XR, um, a little bit about Arbor XR, which he's currently at, and kind of what his future is on this exciting um, world of XR as it's becoming more popular for training and enterprise and education and honestly for fun. Um, if you look at the data of VR adoption right now, Oculus Quest headsets are really selling fast and with the battle of these standalone headsets, 2021 is going to be a fun ride for the metaverse. So without further ado, I introduce Jordan Williams. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ashley. Very glad to be here and some, spend some time with you. Cool, cool. Well, um, so I gave a little bit of a bio about you, but tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Arbor XR. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I graduated from OU in 2013, kind of uh, with a degree in management information systems. I took an entrepreneur entrepreneurship class that my senior year, um, my sixth year, my third senior year, um, and realized that entrepreneurship is something that I want to be a part of. But I ended up just getting a like an IT related scripting type of job in oil and gas in Oklahoma, of course, um, and it started working on some things night, nights and weekends. Eventually, stumbled upon. Uh, VR. And at that point, really everything changed. Um, my two co-founders and I, uh, we had to get into VR. We knew the technology was going to change the world. Um, and uh, so we started a VR arcade in Penn Square Mall in Oklahoma City. That was kind of our genesis story. That's how we got into the space. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to, to talk more about our journey. But um, and then Arbor XR, which is where we are at now, is um, is a company that's focused specifically on helping companies remove all the friction related to deploying 
XR at scale. And when I say XR, I mean augmented reality plus virtual reality. It's just kind of a way to condense both of those into one thing. So XR is, and I guess for those who don't know, uh, AR, augmented reality, uh, the best, easiest way to, for me to describe it is like, if, you, if you've seen Pokemon Go, that's AR. So like you see images in the real world through a device. Um, a practical application that I'm excited about, maybe that's easy to understand, is like imagine you're at the grocery store and you see, you know, right now you see like physical tags underneath food of like how much it costs. Well, in, in AR, you can just have your glasses on and walk around the grocery store and you can see digital overlays of like what the price of everything is. Um, uh, that's that's the that's the future here in the next few years. Um, oh, for sure, especially with Apple's patent behaviors and hiring behaviors lately. I think I saw, I checked a few weeks ago, and they were at over a hundred. I think ninety six open positions for AR VR related yeah, jobs. That yeah, I mean, which is Apple, wild. Apple, Facebook. There's a ton of very large companies getting very serious about AR and VR. Which makes me so excited. Mm -hmm. So um, kind of circling back around to seeing the power of VR, I want to hear about your first VR experience. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so Will Stackable, co-founder, um, he was always into the latest gadgets. And he bought the HTC Vive in 2016, basically when it first came out. And I came over to his house in September, October of 2016 and i mean he just put me in something really simple like a zombie training simulator if you if anyone's tried that it's 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 like you have these cardboard zombies uh <laughs> coming towards you in vr and i know wow. that sounds silly but it was just unbelievable the experience and how immersed i felt in the environment um and uh you know the my my blood was pumping and you know it was just a really intense experience and i knew at that point like wow like this there's just so many applications this technology can offer um, yeah oh my gosh yeah yeah i love hearing people recant their first vr experience because it's truly it's truly refreshing because i feel like in our lifetime we only get to see certain number of technological advances that make a significant impact in like human history and the right. way we communicate like the iPhone did. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really feel the same about VR. hundred percent. I mean, it is the next evolution of, I don't know. I mean, it's of technology of social media of it is. I mean, to me, it is a big uh, of an advancement as, like you said, the smartphone uh, as the internet. Um, it's, yeah, it's very exciting. For sure. So, um, I mean, now that people are starting to see like VR is here to stay, they're looking at opportunities for, for training, you know, training their employees. I think I saw a recent article that um, Bank of America committed to training their cashiers of virtual reality, right. which is, you know, you know, Fortune 50 company, which is pretty exciting. So I think they're now that bigger companies are starting to showcase that they are trusting this technology. They're trusting in the investment of that technology. Mm -hmm. um, it's really going to put the foot on the gas on the demand for VR, both on a consumer and an enterprise level. I mean, we're already seeing the consumer um, 
you know, adoption with the low cost of this Oculus Quest 2 headset. I mean, $299, you can have an all-in-one headset in your house. You don't have to have a gaming computer. Like, what an amazing time to be alive (laughs) to have, like, a really great VR headset all-in-one that's accessible. Like, I feel like that is a huge, huge leap and an advancement for for VR. But I feel like this was – very telling because because I recall in 2015 Mark Zuckerberg gave an interview about why he wanted to buy Oculus because he's he said the future was like virtual assets like you know clothes you digital clothes you can buy mm-hmm. you know for for AR or like Gucci AR bags or whatever and it's just wild to think that that roadmap has been like forecasted for, for you know some time here and now we're kind of seeing it come to fruition right. um so it's just the battle of like who's going to get to it first and who's going to do it best and like who's going to actually sustain with it it's just kind of a race to see who will get there it's really interesting it is and uh yeah facebook's facebook's vision for vr uh is it's 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 interesting i i mean it's they think that VR is going to be a part of people's everyday life, which I agree with. Um, but I, I don't agree that that's actually healthy for humanity. Um, but maybe yeah. we'll get into that later on in the show. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Yes. And yes. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more? Um, so you mentioned that you studied MIS in college, mm-hmm. um, in entrepreneurship and no shame for taking six years to graduate college. Um, that's a small slice in, in the span of your life. Um, but what were some, or who were people that inspired you to dive into this particular field that you're in now? You mean VR specifically or entrepreneurship or? I, I will say VR. Yeah. I don't know if there was, I guess I'm going to answer that question in a roundabout way. I mean, honestly, actually, like, I think I'm, I'm more passionate about like building and creating things and, and, and seeing, uh, seeing things, you know, truly impacted Mm -hmm. than I am about technology specifically, obviously technology is a means to like seeing huge impact. But I think for me, the driving force really was, wow, this technology is truly going to change the world in as much as smartphones did, if not more. Mm-hmm. And I want to be a part of this. I like, I see a lot of really amazing uh, applications that VR AR can have. I also see, see some things where that it, it won't be so good. And so I, I want to be a part of this and get into it so that I can, you know, well, really the founders so that we can have uh, a voice at the table really as this industry continues to develop and grow, um, you know? And so like, for example, I don't just maybe a rabbit trail here, but when the internet was first being built, there was actually a lot of talk about how you monetize the internet mm-hmm. and, um, and, and and what was uh, talked about a lot was, well, what if like, you know, you would basically pay pennies for certain web visits or websites and just like very, very small transactional fees to like visit certain websites or to do certain things on the internet that obviously never ended up happening. Um, but there's a lot of discussion on, wow, maybe that should have happened because the result now is everything is advertising based and um, it's it potentially is, is really negative, negatively influencing, um, 
a lot of behavior on the internet. Um, so basically just saying that the VR ultimately there's a lot of positive that we see, but there's also some things that, um, we'd like to vo be able to voice our opinion as things potentially get out of whack. And so that's kind of a driving force for us is to see this industry grow, uh, in a, in the most healthy way possible. Yes, yes. And it, let's expand more into that because I myself personally am a very, uh, I'm passionate about mindfulness and presence. Mm -hmm. So trying to blend that in a digital world is a challenge, yeah. um, especially as we're working remotely. And I do my best to make sure that you know I'm, I'm not spending too much time in VR because I totally understand what you're saying. Um, so let's talk about more like how do you yourself balance that um, life of working in technology and working with technology and embracing it not only for work but also for pleasure and communication yeah how do you balance that mindfulness of of life yeah i mean it's it's honestly tough and for me it's not i mean it's i'm a i'm a gamer I've, I've, that's I've been a gamer for a while and so that's been that's been my yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's not VR, it's whatever right now, my thing is chess online chess. Um, nice. so, uh, I, I think for me, honestly, there's a, there's a lot that's changed, uh, for me personally over this past year and how I would answer the, that kind of question. And I, I think I have grown to really appreciate, um, silence and solitude, uh, and really seeing the value that that can have. And I think for me, maybe getting a, a little personal um, or going off the uh, yeah. the desired course here, but I think um, for me, I have to balance, why am I running to technology? Am I running to technology because um, I, I feel like I need to escape or is it, you know, a, a healthy kind of, Hey, I'm just relaxing or enjoying or, you know, like whatever it may be. So I just, I have to be more, I have to be mindful of why am I going to technology? Why am I browsing social media? Why am I diving into, you know, a VR game or whatever it may be? Uh, am I feeling stressed or anxious? And I feel like that that's my, medicine right now well maybe i need to kind of rethink so anyway uh maybe getting a little too philosophical but that's kind of what has been going on in my head uh, a lot uh, actually lately on on how i balance that no i you you were on to something there jordan because i think the fact that you have that self-awareness to know <laughs> what is the intent behind what I'm doing? I think there are times we can get so mechanical with our behaviors and, you know, before we know it, our phone has been in our hand for like 10 minutes and we're like, yeah. how did we get here? Right. Why am I looking at this ad of like cat sweaters? Mm -hmm. um, has happened before. Oh, um, but yeah, yeah. Just having that, that, that balance there, just so important and asking yourself that intent behind that technology and, I hear you with silence too. I'm like, man, yeah. some of my best clear mind clarity moments are just, you know, I'm hiking in nature, just the mm, silence totally. of nature. It's the best. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. 
Uh, so um, let's talk a little bit more about your time at Springboard VR. Um, so what were your biggest takeaways from your time there at the company? So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. You know, what a awesome experience it was. Uh, I mean, we were essentially creating a new industry, obviously not by ourselves, but we were part of a completely brand new industry in uh, location-based entertainment VR. Um, I guess not completely new if you count like family entertainment centers that have gaming and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but in a, in, in a big way, it was brand new. Um, and uh, I think some of my bigger takeaways um, is, there's a few things. One, first mover advantage was huge for us. I mean, we so we started the arcade. We very quickly realized there was this massive need for software that did not exist. Um, and we built it and we started pushing it as hard as we could and as fast as we could. Uh, and that really proved to be incredibly beneficial for us and for our, for our success overall. Um, I would say... Uh, a second thing that would, that I've learned is just the power of focus. Um, I would say like at our best is when we were only doing one or maybe two things. Um, we were at our worst when we were trying to do, you know, location-based entertainment and education and this, and <laughs> this All is the things. but we, we, at one point, we at one point considered because we had, uh, I don't know, 2000 or plus, I don't remember. We, we had a lot of PCs that were running our software across the world, you know, in, in these VR arcades. And so we thought, well, what if we create a program that uh, at night after these arcade operators go home and shut down, what if we just mine cryptocurrency overnight um, and created an additional revenue stream for our operators? Which of course, like it's actually kind of an okay idea, yeah. but it was more the focus and the distraction that it put on our entire team and our dev team to kind of think through, well, what would that solution look like, and how are we going to do that? Um, and and I think after many lessons uh, or bad experiences, I guess, finally learned that man, just singular focus is so valuable. Oh, um, gosh, and I yeah. think we're, we're finally starting to get into that rhythm now with with Arbor. That's exciting. Yes, I totally agree with you there. That singular focus is so important because it's just so easy to do all the things right. Whenever you kind of see how the sausage is made, you're like, oh, yeah. well, let's do it. Why not? Yeah. Um, very, very cool. So, you know, in that segue of you um, working at Springboard and kind of transitioning into to Arbor XR, which is where you currently are today, um, what are some past projects that you're most proud of? That could be abstract, doesn't have to be in the realm of your jobs. Um, mm -hmm. It could be something that you worked on as a student. I just would like to mm -hmm. hear that. Yeah, good question. Um, there's, I would say I'm not, I am not a model student. Uh, so I can't say that there was uh, much to take away from my time at, at school, but I mean, uh, I mean, I'll go back to it. I kind of touched on it earlier, but the fact that we were in this completely new industry, just figuring it all out, um, it was just so fun. And there was, 
I mean, you're constantly learning and talking to different people about what they're doing and how they're thinking about doing it. And, um, but I guess more specifically, we, we really helped shape the overall business model, the unit economics in that space of what is a unit of VR worth or it, you know, per hour. And how do you charge for that? And what should arcade operators charge consumers? And what should content creators charge arcade operators for licensing of their content? Um, that that process took a really long time uh, to to get there. But I mean, it's certainly something I'm really proud of. Of like saying that, man, we we shaped what that industry is today. And I don't I don't know the the long-term viability of it, uh, I think it's going to be certainly going to be around for quite a bit longer, but yeah, it's cool to know that we have a massive, uh, imprint on the industry today and and how it's currently being run and operated. And yeah, that feels good. Yeah. Now that you're talking about it, you're, you're jogging my memory. I recall, I think I used a specific model of yours because when I worked at the university of Oklahoma on the emerging tax team, we had a lot of people that would engage with us, um, mostly, you know, educational other schools that were like, hey, we see your makerspace and we want to do it. You know, what do we need to do? And we would just kind of see that connectivity a lot. And, you know, they would ask us, how many people do we need to staff this, you know, makerspace? There was one school, my gosh, they had a old planetarium that just casually wasn't being used. And they were wanting, they just somehow got like this, you know, duffel bag full of money and they wanted to build like a VR makerspace. So we're kind of talking them through, like, these are the considerations you need to think through like power supply. And, you know, when you get the technology, you need to think through what you're going to do with it and how you're going to manage it and how you're going to staff the space because emerging tech is cool, but there's a lot more to it than just buying it. You have to be intentional with how you're using it. So they were asking us, like, how many people do we need to staff? And we were, and I think we used your model based on when uh, Matt Cook was working with y'all. It was like a one to six ratio, like one to six, one person to six people. Is that correct? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, you're jogging my memory as well. It's been a while, but yeah, I think that is, it was one to six. I think at other times we we played around with one to 10. Uh, I think we were... Yeah, I, but yeah, that's that's funny that you, you you use that. I guess that's pretty cool actually to hear about it. Yeah, I guess honestly, I would say like one to two is plenty. I remember doing workshops. We'd bring in students in different schools, and you know, this is pre-pandemic when people actually put on VR headsets and enclosed spaces and sat at tables um, next to each other. But we had like two people in the Oculus Rift, one person on the HTC Vive. And then I'm trying yeah. to get like a couple of Oculus goes going and everyone's like, where do I click? What's going on? Right. Um, well, so, that's so that's the distinction we were trying to make is without our software. Yeah. I mean, it really, it's one to two at the most, if not just a one to one. But we were, we were trying to make the argument that with our software, you know, you need not even half of the amount of staff that, that you would otherwise, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. I, I always wonder what that whatever happened to that old planetarium just casually wasn't being used. It's a mystery. Yeah. 
So what are your thoughts on, on the future? I know you've mentioned that you feel like XR and you know, VR is here to stay, but what are your thoughts of kind of what that looks like at the next one year um, in the next five years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'd maybe break, break out that question into, or the answer into two categories. One is just VR and AR training. Mm-hmm. And then the second is the VR and AR consumer. Um, I think first the training, VR and AR training, I mean, it is it is really hot right now and it's continuing to uh, pick up the pace and speed and momentum. Like you just mentioned, Bank of America, they're doing a 4,000 headset deployment. Uh, Walmart has already now trained over a million people in VR. Um, there's a lot of large companies, a lot of Fortune 500s that are taking VR much more seriously. And the exciting part is it's proving, VR is proving to be much more effective than, than your normal training, whatever that may be, whether that's a PowerPoint or even true on the job training. Um, it's VR. And then obviously, I mean, and then when you're just comparing on the job versus VR, the you have to consider things like cost and safety and those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, with, with the training space, but I mean, I think it's 320 billion. I don't remember the the numbers, but there's a lot of money spent every year on, um, training. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually closer to around 400 billion. I think on average companies spend about $1,300, uh, on training per employee. Um, or something like that. So there's there's a lot of money being spent in the training space, and VR is is proving to be much more effective uh, from the learning standpoint, but also from the cost standpoint, as well as being obviously much more safe. So uh, the VR AR training here to stay, going to continue to um, gain momentum. Going to have more and more companies using it uh, over these over these next five years. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And that's actually where kind of my work blends in because we, as a company, we actually did some immersive training experiences for Walmart. Um, and it's crazy before I worked, started working um, with Exalter, formerly known as Steelhouse Productions. Um, this is how I heard about the company is the 360 immersive video experience. It's empathy training for their cashiers. So they basically produced um, actors that were going through the like checkout lines. Mm-hmm. And it was from the point of view from the cashier. And there were some like interactive layers of like, you would see the screen of the customer's phone and it would be like some chaotic experience. And you, but the, the point was that you weren't understanding what was going on from their perspective, but from their perspective, they're like stressed. They may not have enough money to pay for their medication or you know what something's going on in, in their life. So that was an interesting example of using immersive like 360 immersive video specifically and producing that in a, in, in a VR environment um, for that emotional experience. I thought that was very interesting to use yeah. that. Um, so it has that social component, but we also just you know wrapped up a um, project with the Air Force where we mm-hmm. uh, train basically created this training experience where you change the tire, the outboard tire of a CV-22 Osprey. 
which is an aircraft that's a hybrid of a plane and, and a helicopter. I kid you not. Look it up. CB-22. Wow. It's wild. Yeah. Um, but the problem with this aircraft is that, one, it's very expensive. It's a multi-million dollar aircraft. Um, two, it's typically in use. Um, three, there's not a lot of them. Um, and four, you don't want new maintainers, is what they call them, um, working on them without good experience. They have to go through, of course, training. Um, but they are they were looking for a solution to kind of bridge the gap of like, we need more maintainers, but we don't want to put the wear and tear on this aircraft. How do we do that? Enter VR. So we, we took that and basically took the instructions that were pretty rigid from like an Air Force perspective of like, remove this nut, place this bolt, you know. Yeah. Um, so we got really familiar on how to actually change this tire. I think I could probably do it in my sleep now. Um, but it's a full six degrees of freedom experience. So every single thing in there was built in unity. Um, it's awesome. It, it's, it, we, we built in some data tracking and we're happy with how that turned out, but that was a fun experience of kind of thinking through that design perspective of taking what you need and putting it into VR in an intentional way, because yes, the environment is really exploding right now, but I think where it's really going to matter is where that quality content is. It's the quality content that's going to stand out and be sustainable in the long run. Um, right. Because as we all saw with the Oculus Go, I mean, it was a fantastic, it was like the first thing of its kind, um, but we just saw some crap content, some crap VR mm -hmm. content out there, mostly because I'm sure companies wanted to say like, hey, we have something out there on the Oculus Go headset, but you would okay. get into it and you were like, what is this? This is just a skybox. What am I doing here? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like where I was going with, you know, the quality, making sure people pay attention to the quality there, because some people don't have a, um, a baseline of what makes a VR experience a good experience. Mm -hmm. And they rely on industry experts like us to provide that to them. But I, I want people to become more informed on how to bridge that gap there because it's not always inherent for the technology person to know how to, how to design what you're trying to train. It's it's a symbiotic relationship in that process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, even talking with some of our clients, it is, you know, there is the technology component, of course, of you, you've got to do a good job uh, your developers, but there's the under truly understanding the, the end users is crucial. And like you said, you, you, you could do the, you, you know, you could, uh, change the tire yourself after, you know, that's, that's exactly what a, cu a customer would want to hear is, okay, if, if you can understand this and that gives me confidence that you can actually build this the right way for my employees. So I think it's great. Yeah. And let's be fair. I have zero experience building planes, you guys. Let's just put that out there. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I may have a gray hair or two from that project, as we all do with fun projects. Um, no, but for real, it was, it was a really cool opportunity. So um, Jordan, what kind of advice would you have for those who are listening that maybe want to learn a little bit more about XR and let's say potentially pursue a career in the field? Yeah. Um, I mean, a couple things come to mind. There's, there's a, there's the VR AR association. Mm -hmm. Great I'm association. Part. I'm a part of them. 
Yeah, checking out if you whether you're a student or whatever. I think if you're a student, it's it might it's, be even it's cheaper. Down. It's like I think it's two hundred and fifty bucks. Okay, um, so there's that, but there's also especially I guess we're sorting starting to near the end of COVID, but there's still virtual conferences uh, going on in in VR AR um, where you can get exhibitor passes for super cheap. Um, I would definitely recommend checking that out. I mean, I, and then there's the, okay, well, how do I start actually working in the industry? The obvious one is start learning unity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's if you, if you want to start actually developing VR content. Um, but then more just like on the entrepreneurial side of things, just advice there. Cause I'm not a developer. I don't, I did, I got into the space luckily, thankfully without being a developer. Um, just just a bit of entrepreneurial advice is and if you have ideas um go do them <laughs> uh i i before i've you know in college i i've i validated myself as a great entrepreneur for having a bunch of great ideas and um that was not a great uh anyway that I would just I would just recommend to anyone, man, if, if you have an idea, just start talking to everybody about it. No one is going to steal your idea. And um, yeah, and just go for it. Just 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 start to dive in and figure it out. And that's that's part of the process. And it's fun. So um, that's right. Trust the process. Yeah. Always remind myself, trust the process. <laughs> Very so Jordan, this has been a great conversation. I think I've learned some new things and I'm sure our audience have as well. So if um, someone wants to find you and follow ArborXR, follow, follow what you're working on, where can they find you? Yeah, best place is probably LinkedIn, honestly. Um, I still have social media or like Twitter, Facebook, but I don't. I maybe log into Facebook once a week and I'd never log into Twitter. Um, so LinkedIn is a good spot to find me. Um, and yeah, I'd be happy to connect. Cool. Cool. Well, um, me, log into Twitter to make sure no one's trying to spam out some rebounds from your account. <laughs> I think that has happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, cool. Cool. Well, thank you for being on the show, Jordan. Um, this was a great shot and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, Ashley. If you enjoyed today's episode of Coffee and Code, head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a rate and review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes go live every Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Coffee and Code, and I'll see you next week.